The Teardown is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the race starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. With GameTime, you can buy tickets in just two taps. You're looking for tickets for the college football playoffs? You want to see LSU versus Oklahoma? Clemson versus Ohio State? No problem. Game Time can help you out in just two taps. That's right, two taps, but with Game Time. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in Google Play or the App Store and score last minute ticket deals on tickets up to 60% off. everybody welcome back to another edition of the teardown my name is jeff gluck although my voice is sort of disguised you know, not really it's me. but it is me i just a little bit sick and i'm along with jordan bianchi my co-worker here at the athletic jordan uh how are you doing i mean i i heard that you uh you were out there shivering at north wilkesboro this week so maybe we both got a little bit sick Oh, we definitely both got sick. It's not been a good week for either of us. We should, I feel like we should be sponsored by some kind of uh, over-the-counter cold medicine. Oh, okay. That's a really good idea. Let's let's see if our, our podcast people are listening at The <laughs> Athletic. And uh, that'll be that'll be next week's episode or whenever we come back. I'm, I don't know if we're having a Christmas episode yet. So um, this might be it, it uh, for, for a couple weeks. But maybe when we come back, we'll have a, a cold medicine sponsor. But Jordan, I'm glad you survived to give us a really good story about... Uh, your your trip there with Dale Jr. and scanning the track for iRacing. Um, can you tell us? I mean, I, I you know, hopefully people have read your your story on the Athletic, but can you tell us a little bit about what the experience was like? Had you ever been to North Wilkesboro before? Or anything? No, I've never been to North Wilkesboro, and I was going to ask you that question too. I, I, it was great. It was an experience for me for a lot of reasons. I, I'm I'm a big fan of NASCAR history, and to actually go there and to kind of witness to see North Wilkesboro firsthand to see what it's like. You can just you walk in and you can just feel like you're you're walking into, you know, a, a, a historic place that's been witness to some great moments in, in NASCAR's history, and it's you almost feel the ghost in a lot of respects. And it seems silly to say that, but you you kind of do, and you walk around and you you, you see, really what you know it's it, what it is now is, is really sad. But you can still see what it once was, and what it once was was a great venue to some great moments, and it's sad what it became and it's depressing in that sense but to be there actually for the first time it was a it was a great very great experience well you got great access and um looks like dale jr really gave you a lot of good quotes and i don't i don't want to mess your story up more than that because hopefully people just go read it on the athletic but um well done good job getting there i I understand you you almost didn't even um make it in the first place (laughs) Yes. Uh, so I was on vacation last week in Las Vegas and this opportunity to go to North Wilkesboro with Dale Earnhardt Jr. And, and everybody that was going to clean the track came up and it was an opportunity that you just can't turn down. And it's something that we've been kind of pushing for for a while. Wait a minute. And, wait know, a minute. I, if I was on vacation, I could turn it down. But go ahead. I'll, 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 I'll go with, <laughs> with your premise with your premise. No, that's not how I operate. So um, basically I had to rebook my ticket. I was actually supposed to fly back to Minneapolis. Uh, to spend uh, the more time with my family. But instead of going back to Minneapolis, I booked my ticket to fly to Charlotte, which meant I had to take a connection through Salt Lake City. The problem is, is leaving Las Vegas, there was about an hour and 15 minute delay on the runway because traffic was so backed up taking off. 
Well, my connection in Las Vegas was pretty t- or in Salt Lake City was pretty tight the way it is. Uh, so the way it was is we landed in Salt Lake City and there was a real chance that I was going to miss my flight. Of course, because people do this on every airline for some reason, everybody stands up and I had to grab my bags. I had about 10 minutes, if that, to get off the plane and then get to my gate and then hope I made my flight. And I am literally kind of moving people out of my way, trying to do it politely, but aggressively to say, hey, got to move, got to move, got a connection, got a connection, kind of shoving people aside. For the most part, most people were pretty good. There's a couple of people that kind of, you know, were not happy about it, but, you know, whatever. And got off the plane, <laughs> bolted to my gate, got there. I said, hey, can I get on the plane still? And they're like, if you would have been another minute or two longer, we were going to have to leave, but get on there. I'm like, okay, perfect. So made the plane, all good, landed in Charlotte late Sunday night. Left Sunday, uh, Monday morning for North Wilkesboro about 6 a.m. Got there about 7.30 and spent the, the good chunk of the day with uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Steve Myers from iRacing. And, I, you know, what they're doing is, is really neat. And if you haven't read the story, I, I encourage you to check it on The Athletic. It's, it's really an interesting way to kind of preserve North Wilkesboro's history and legacy for future generations. Because, you know, going to North Wilkesboro, it's really obvious that that place is not going to be around for much longer. It's just, it's decaying. Things are literally falling apart and falling down, and at some point there's going to have to be a decision made of what you know what do we do with this because this isn't you know either you have to spend the money to make it better which makes no sense or you have to knock it down, and this is a great thing that Earnhardt and, and Steve Myers and iRacing team are doing and to kind of ensure that you know North Wilkesboro can have a place going forward and people can experience North Wilkesboro who may not have seen races there or been able to visit there so. It's going to be interesting to see how this final project turns out, but to, to actually go there, to be a part of it, despite the travel delays and everything else that went along with it, 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 was, uh, it was a good time. Well, first of all, I love the image of you having cut your vacation short and then in danger of missing your flight, Ryan Newmaning people out of the way in the airplane aisle <laughs> with your bags and just being like, move, I, I don't care what you think of me. I don't no. care if you think I'm 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 uh, passing aggressively here or whatever. Um, I, I'm just doing what I have to do, and then uh, you know just just bulldogging your way there. I, I like that a lot. But but also, you know, somebody in the comments on on the athletic they they took exception uh, to your characterization that it's um, that North Wilkesboro will never see on track activity again. And you know, um, but I, I think what you're saying though is it, that's not an opinion that's a factual statement like you know you're when you saw the facilities there i mean stuff is on the verge of like collapse or it it has already collapsed in some ways right yeah i mean the garage where the cups cars used to be for example is partial the half of it is literally collapsed there's photos on the athletic in our story and you can see it so i mean there's suites that are literally half falling apart and you know they they look like they could completely fall apart at any minute I mean, if you want to think that North Wilkesboro is going to have a race there, okay, fine. But tell me who's going to come in there and spend, I don't know. I mean, you know, talking to some folks, it's going to be uh, millions upon millions upon millions of dollars to go in there and to completely bulldoze everything. And probably the track, too, because you probably have to repave it. You're going to put up new walls. You're going to put up safer barriers, fencing. Everything that you can think of that goes into a racetrack, you're going to have to do. You almost have to. You have to build from the ground up, from scratch. And I just, it's not realistic to think that this is going to happen in any scenario. I'm sorry, it's it's just not. Um, the the facility is falling apart. Literally, it is. It is. It, you know, if they came in there and said, "Hey, this place is condemned," it wouldn't surprise me. It's it's unsafe in some respects. 
depending on where you are. I mean, there's people walking in the grandstand on Monday, and, and one photographer said he almost fell through a hole because the grandstand kind of opened up on him. And yeah, I, I just it, this is not an opinion. This is just someone who's been there and who's talked to people and, and can witness this. That there's just no way that this place is salvageable in its current form. It, it would take a complete renovation, knockdown, building it up from the ground up to for it to have some kind of place and, and to hold a race. And that's just not feasible. Well, and then at that point, what's even the point? You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, and I'm, I'm glad they're preserving it for history. And it seems like they're going to go back to, they're going to try to make it look like 1987 in, in the, in iRacing sim um, and, and all that stuff. And that's, that's really great for people to remember it by. But I mean, if you're going to have to knock down every building and take down all the old signage and, and do all the stuff that, you know, makes it great in the first place, you might as well just build, um, you know, uh, start over somewhere closer to a city or with more parking or whatever, you know, with more exactly. infrastructure and, and, you know, modern amenities. So, um, it's sad. I mean, I think everybody wished it was different, but, and, you know, maybe there's a chance a place like Rockingham could somehow still be saved. But when, when you get to a point like North Wilkesboro sounds like it is, um, it, it would be, it would be a, a huge shock to see it come back. But, um, anyway, the, the shock definitely, um, well, it wouldn't be as big as the timing of Cole Pern's announcement uh, in some ways this week because, you know, I think I think we all sort of felt like um, Cole Pern. Well, maybe maybe we didn't. I'll, I'll ask you. Did, were you surprised? I guess number one at the announcement, the timing of Cole Pern um, leaving NASCAR, or, or were you were you did you see it kind of coming at all? Yes and no. I, I don't know how to. There's no clear black or white answer to me. I'm not surprised he walked away. We know. That Cole, you know, living North Carolina was not something that he wanted to do with, you know, for he and his family long term. Um, he, you know, he has kind of said that as much. He had a great article that you wrote on The Athletic earlier this year where you talked to him about it. You know, he, he kind of liked being outside of the hub. He liked kind of being able to be in the mountains and, and spend time with his family away from the industry. You know, it, so that that respect. No, I'm not surprised he walked away. I don't think he was going to be around for a long time. He, he's given every indication that this was kind of a short term thing for him. I don't know how to say about. I don't know what to say about the timing. I guess the timing to me is, I didn't really have any any indication that this was going to be it or this was coming. Um, you know, being around, uh, you know, talking to some of the guys on the, on the on the team, talking to some people with Joe Gibbs Racing, there was no sense that this was kind of going to happen this year um I, I don't know how i expected it to play out when the time came that cole was going to walk away but in a way this kind of seems kind of typical cole pern fashion just kind of under the radar in a sense away from the lights you know if he did it during the middle of the season he would have to ask you know he would have to answer questions week in and week out about you know how's the team doing is this a distraction what are you going to do you know etc etc every week that's not something he wants to put himself through. That's not something he likes to do. So this is probably the, the, the best way for him just to kind of slip, you know, slip away and not have to, to worry about it anymore. So surprised, but not really surprised. Yeah, I, I was surprised at the, you know, that, that it was this year. But I could have, you know, I, I definitely saw this coming um, as far as something that would happen eventually. Um, clearly, he did not want to live in North Carolina and the fact that he moved there from Denver, you know, I'm not saying he went kicking and screaming, but you know, I think he was like, all right, I'll, I'll try it and see if it, see if I can make it work. And I just don't think that he and his family were happy there. sounds like they're moving back to Western Canada. Um, and you know, they're going to be near the outdoors and, and, you know, he loves to ski and, and 
play hockey and go mountain biking and hiking with his kids. They, you know, they lived an outdoors lifestyle in Colorado as well. And, and, you know, that really bothered him to not be around that. So, um, he even said, you know, in, in the interview and, and I held back this quote, um, at his request until a more, uh, a time when, when people, when it wouldn't set off alarm bells essentially, but I, I wrote it this week that, you know, he said when they left Canada, he and his wife always said, all right, you know, we're, we're always going to move back, but you know, let's do three years in, in the U S five years. And it turned into 10 years and, you know, and it, and it was like, all right, you know, at some point, you know, he, they were still going to go back there. And I think, I think the off season hit and, you know, he was probably like, all right, you know, what, if, why wait, you know, what, what's, what's the point if, if we're going to do this, let's do it. You know? And, and he was clear about not wanting to miss his kids growing up. So, and, and I can really, you know, I can understand that, you know, you, you see how hard these, these crew chiefs work and these crew guys, um, certainly the, the hours are much more intense than even the drivers. We've seen some drivers be able to walk away. David Reagan, Paul Menard, now Jimmy Johnson's announced his retirement, you know, when, when they still could do it. Um, but they've walked away because they want to spend more time with their family and they have other things to do, but they have the means to do it as did Cole Pern. Cause I'm sure he was probably one of the highest paid crew chiefs, but you know, what does this mean for the industry, Jordan? I mean, is this a, is this becoming a trend? Are, are we going to see more people leave or is it just that the people with the means to leave are, 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 are bailing while the schedule is so long? Well, I think you hit on a really good point. And I think if you look at it, drivers are coming into the cup series at a younger and younger age. Never before have we seen more young drivers at, at NASCAR's top level than ever before. We've seen guys coming in at 18, 19, 20 years old. That's almost the norm in a lot of respects now. You know, 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. Guys were coming in in their 30s to late 30s in some instances. So guys are coming in at a younger age now, which means their earning power to make max money is starting sooner. So you're making more money at a younger age for a long term. What reason do you have to stick around, you know, for a while? Why do you have to hang around like we've seen a lot of veterans do well past their prime just to collect a paycheck? There's no need for that anymore. Um, and if I'm a young driver and I'm coming in and I'm making good money and, I, and I've accomplished a lot of things and I get into my late 30s and I want to do other things, why would I not want to do that? I See, I, to me, yeah, I mean, the schedule's tough. It, it's long. Is it overly long? Sure. Does that factor into it? Yeah, I think to some respects, if you've got a wife and you've got some young kids and you want to be around them and, and do the dad thing. But I, I also think that when you're banking money and you've got it in your bank account, you look around and you say, you know what? I'm good. I, I've done everything I can do and I don't really need to do this anymore. And that applies to crew chiefs in some levels too. I mean, crew chiefs are making very good money. I mean, I know I've been told by multiple people in the industry, Cole Pern had a, had a very hefty offer from Hendrick Motorsports last year to go over there and be Jimmy Johnson's crew chief. And he turned that down and he ended up at Joe Gibbs Racing. And I'm willing to bet that Joe Gibbs Racing was paying him very good money. So, you know, if you're Cole, what, what reason do you have to continue to stick around? You've accomplished just about everything you can accomplish in, in, in NASCAR. You've won just about every single big race you can win, except for the Daytona 500 and uh, the Brickyard 400. You've won a championship. Your legacy is largely secure. So, I, you know, I, I get it. I, I completely get it. And I, and I, and I understand um, why people are pointing towards a schedule. And I think if you've got young kids, that, that does make sense on some levels. But I think there's just a multitude of factors that go into play here. And to say that it's just one thing, I don't think is accurate. Well, I do think, though, that, that the NASCAR schedule is out of balance. And, 
you you know you have to be careful when you talk about this because people get very sensitive and say well you know these people choose to do this this is something that is fun for a lot of them or or you know a passion they're not sitting behind a desk they get to travel the circuit um, work on cars be around you know famous drivers be part of the sport compete and people say well I, I'd love to do that you know what you know people shouldn't complain and I, I can see that in some degrees but you know the grind of it after after years I mean just I think it really wears people down and if you look at the IndyCar schedule you know they they start with the St. They, St. St. Pete Grand Prix in, in what mid-March or something um, and then they end in September you know, and, and NASCAR is starting early February and at least this year, you know, they go to mid November. Now they're going to go a week shorter next year and in future years, hopefully they'll be able to end in October, but still, I mean that the commitment, um, the amount of, you know, the 38 weeks of races, um, not even counting the off weeks and stuff. I mean, that's just, it's, it's a lot The it's oversupply. If you talk about supply and demand, and I think if they found a more reasonable balance, even if they chopped off six races and still had 30 points races or something, you know, I mean, it's still a ton of races. Um, still one of the, it would still be one of the longest seasons, if not the longest season in sports. So, um, you know, there's gotta be a better way to do it. Hopefully they can figure something out. And and I think if they did that, you'd have more people be able to stick around because they'd have time off, you know, you'd have time off to rejuvenate or even if you schedule more off weeks, you know, in the season, I mean, people, people go so many, times in a row and and just don't don't get that time off so um so i guess this you know this triggers a big question for next year though is now what for martin truex jr he won 24 of his 26 career races so far with cole pern um is he going to be able to be the same martin truex or or is he going to slide that's a great question and i think you're going to see a very motivated martin truex jr next year to show people that hey my success is not predicated on Cole Pern. It's not due to his, you know, brilliance as a crew chief. I'm also a good driver. And I think the fact that, you know, who depends on who they replace Cole Pern with, I think that team is going to largely be intact. It's going to kind of have Pern's handprints on it. I, I wouldn't expect Truex to, to regress too significantly next year. I think, you know, losing Cole is going to be a challenge because I think he is the best. If he's not the best, he's one of the two best crew chiefs right now in the garage. He's a master strategist. He calls the race better than anybody else. He, he continually gets Martin Truex Jr. track position. Um, I... I I don't expect Martin Truex Jr. to slide too much in next year. I'm going to be interested to see what it's like two years down the road, three years down the road as you get farther away from Cole Pern and the influence he had on that team. I think Truex is a very good driver. The fact that he's with Joe Gibbs Racing goes a long way to ensuring that he's going to have a successful year next year. Um, We'll see. But I will tell you this. If I'm Martin Truex Jr., I am incredibly motivated, incredibly motivated to come out and to prove everybody wrong and to show everybody, hey, we were more than just one person. I am a good driver. I am a championship-winning driver, and I can do that with whoever's my crew chief. Well, and I think that if, you know, from his perspective and JGR's perspective perhaps, if there was ever a time for, for Cole to leave, this would probably be it. It's the year where they're going into the same rules package um, as they had last year, right? So you can take most of his same principles, probably a lot of his same setup ideas, essentially with the most of the same guys jgr as a whole is still going to be very fast you know if, if he had been leaving right when they're going to go to this new car and, and you really need his brain power to try to figure this thing out i think that'd be tougher but now you're going to go into a year where they can transition um they're still going to be really really competitive probably win a lot of races still 
I'd be I'd be pretty shocked if he just suddenly fell off a cliff without Cole Pern. Um, you know, that's not saying that Cole Pern wasn't great. I just think he set them up well. So yeah. it'll be interesting what happens, um, and and we'll see. There's a couple other things that have happened, Jordan, since we we recently spoke. One was the um, the new NASCAR Cup Series sponsorship model uh, was unveiled in Nashville. Um, I was a little bit mixed on this. I don't know what I was expecting necessarily, but you know they they unveiled these four premier sponsors. Um, they originally said the, the Cup Series is not going to be sponsored anymore. And there's going to be all these tiers of sponsors. And you were thinking, Oh man, maybe we're going to, you know, get some more new people and they're going to get all this new money. And, and, and it's going to take the place of one entitlement sponsor. And then they'll have a, a really good base for it. But the, the four premier sponsors they have, um, or the premier partners, I guess they were already NASCAR sponsors. So how much uh, money, more money are they really getting from this? I mean, is this, uh, is this, you know, a, a temporary thing for them and they're going to try to use this as an example and then lure other companies or, or what, how do you view this? I view it as in, I have a lot more questions than I have actual answers right now. And like you, I'm curious to see how much more money is coming in. Obviously there's been a shift in, in how they do this. And, you know, are they able, is NASCAR able to recoup with four sponsors, what what they were getting with one sponsor. If they were getting, if these guys, if the four companies now are paying as much as Monster was collectively, you know that that's a concern. Now, if they're paying separately what Monster was paying, and NASCAR is getting now four times what it was getting over what it was, you know, under its previous model, I think this can be successful. It is concerning that there was no new outside companies coming in to say, hey, this is something we want to be a part of. This is intriguing. It feels, and from discussions I've had with folks, this feels very helter-skelter. And it, it was kind of put together. They had a, NASCAR had an idea of how they wanted to do this, and it came together less than ideal than how they want, they conceived it to be. And that there was an idea that this model was going to be open up a way for new companies to come in, kind of get their feet wet. And the fact that they're now able to bundle um this, this sponsorship model with television partners, with tracks. I mean, you're going to see some of these companies be race sponsors. You're going to have signage at racetracks that, you know, you can offer more bang for your buck. I think it is interesting. I think long-term, I think this is the way to go. I think there's going to be a lot of things that come up. And I think what you see now and how it plays out, you know, in the next year or two is going to be different than how it's going to be a couple years down the road. I want to see what the end result is i'd love to see i'd love to know what the dollar not mount is you know we know what sprint was paying for its sponsorship model it was about 75 million dollars a year you know you know monster was paying between 20 to 30 million dollars a year that's a heck of a gulf between those two numbers so you know if, if these four companies that are now you know bush what is it bush geico xfinity and what's coca-cola coca-cola are able to kind of you know you know bridge that gap from what you know Sprint and Monster were paying, yeah, I think it's good. I think it's encouraging, um, but we'll see. You know, it's it's. I always get concerned with NASCAR having too many sponsors though, because this is a sponsor driven driven sport, and a lot you know there's a lot of teams out there that need sponsorship, and we've seen it before where NASCAR is kind of competing against teams for sponsorship dollars, and now that you've got four premier sponsors. Um, that that's more opportunities for NASCAR to take sponsors away from teams. NASCAR said that they're not going to do that, but it, it's still a concern. Well, I mean, I I'm wondering if they even made up the 
what what monster was making i mean you know i don't i don't i don't know the details obviously but if you already have existing sponsors who are like official partners um or investing a lot of money in the sport mm-hmm. um did they really upsell them enough to even make up to the 20 million dollars or whatever monster had negotiated for so certainly it's it's nowhere close near the 75 million or anything but um i don't know if if it works in the future you know adam stern reported that they had tried to get Verizon. That would have been a win. You know, that would have been, okay, they brought a new company into the sport. Verizon's a big brand. You know, Verizon has done some stuff in IndyCar, not the entitlement sponsor of their series anymore, but still active. And maybe you could lure Verizon over here. And that, w- that would be something, right? And and the fact they weren't able to do that, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, how much were they asking to not be able to, to make that work? I don't know. It's just, that would have been yeah. that would have been good, you know? And the thing with Verizon is, it's, this is a company that NASCAR has courted for a couple of years now. The problem is, is there are still some very hard, lingering, hurt feelings from when Sprint was the entitlement sponsor. And because Sprint was the entitlement sponsor, Verizon and Ele- and other telecommunication companies could not come in and sponsor teams. And they were basically kicked out in, in some respects. Because when Sprint took over, or ne- you know, what was it, Nextel in 2003 or 2004... Um, you know, they, a lot of these companies were just basically told to go away. And a lot of these companies have not forgotten that. And you look at Verizon and it, it would be a big win to get somebody that magnitude in, but you have to, it, it's going to take a lot of work and th- there are still some hurt feelings that, that, that need to be assuaged before th- these companies are willing to come back. Yeah. So, um, also in, in Nashville, um, you know, the drivers had a, a bunch of, uh, media sessions and everything like that. Um, one, one person there that talked was, uh, Kyle Larson and he was asked about his, his potential, or I guess not potential, but his, his upcoming free agency, you know, um, a lot of people could go after him, whether it's, um, Hendrick or SHR, whoever, or maybe he'll stay Canassi basically said, you know, um, that dirt was a pretty big factor in what he would decide, um, which I was kind of surprised that he would say that, I guess, um, just because, it, you know, he's been criticized for caring so much about dirt in the past. And, um, that's kind of opens him, himself up more to it. But at the same time, I mean, you can understand, um, it's, he's being honest. And, and, uh, if, if Hendrick's going to go to him and say, Hey, look, we'd love to have you on the 48, but you know, you can't run the chili bowl or you can't run Knoxville or you can never be on track during the season, whatever. Um, you know, he's going to be like, all right, forget this. Um, whereas SHR, I'm sure would let him as, run as much dirt as he wants. Right. So, um, and, and, you know, maybe that's a, a leverage that he can get with uh, Ganassi too, to get more dirt races if he wants. So, um, interesting. And then he said he's going to listen to people. So he's clearly a free agent. Um, you, you read anything into any, anything that he said? I think it's really smart for him to be open about what he wants. If dirt running, being able to run dirt is a priority. Yeah, I think that's great that you put that out there. And you, like you said, you kind of tell everybody, hey, if you want me, this is what you're going to have to agree to. And we know that Hendrick Motorsports has been reluctant to allow its drivers to do things like that over the years. Um, you know, are, are, Is Hendrick willing to kind of uh, loosen its policy to get a driver like Kyle Larson? That to me is interesting. But to negotiate publicly or to kind of put out there what you want and what your demands are, I think is a really smart move. And I think that... Kyle Larson saying too that he's willing to listen to people. I mean, 
That to me says something as well. He, he has long said he is incredibly loyal to Chip Ganassi for taking a chance on him and willing to spend the money that it took to, to get him into you know the NASCAR National Series and everything. And, and Chip's been incredibly loyal to him. And Kyle has said that he's loyal to Chip. This is going to be interesting to see how this plays out. You know, How far will Larson's loyalty go? What ultimately is going to be the deciding factor? And the fact that there are some big teams, Hendrick Motorsports, Stuart Haas Racing, that are going to have openings. Um, this is this is going to be the, an incredibly interesting free agency. I think it's probably the most interesting free agency probably since, what, Carl Edwards was considering leaving Roush Fenway in, what was that, 2010, 11, somewhere in there. Um, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. And you have to be... If you're a big team right now and you've got Kyle Larson out there, you've got to be having discussions about whether or not this is a guy we want and what do we have to do to get him. And I think it's very clear what what he what his priorities are, and I think that's good that he was upfront about that. Some other news uh, since we last spoke, Jordan. Um, Brennan Poole is going to be at Premium Motorsports in that 15 car. Um, he's making the leap to Cup. We had heard that he was, you know, trying to shop around for a Cup ride. Ends up at premium. Obviously, that their their stuff is, um, you know, running, running essentially for the back uh, or the best of the back, right? Um, is this a good move for Pool? I mean, at least he gets back in the series and something full time. Maybe he can outperform his equipment, make some impressions, or, or is that just not even? I mean, what 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 do you see as, as this move? I, I, to me, I, I, it goes back to what I've said about Suarez in the past, and I think you have to put yourself in the opportunity where you can showcase your ability the best. To me, taking a, a ride, you know, uh, in the Xfinity Series with a semi to competitive team is, is the best way to do that and to overperform your equipment, to get some good runs, uh, to maybe you know pop off a, a win if some things work in your favor is the best way to do that. What are you going to accomplish with your with, if you're with Premier Motorsports? That's not a, meant as a, a slam, even though it, pro- it comes across. But the fact is, they just don't have a lot of resources. So how well are you going to be able to do? with them that, that that shows everybody that, hey, you know what, I'm a guy that you should take a look at if you're looking for drivers. I, I just don't know. And I think a guy like Brandon Poole, who has never won a race in the NASCAR National Series before, I think it is best served by being in the Xfinity Series or even a full-time truck series team that that allows you to go out and win races and to make a case for yourself instead of just running in a, a backmarker team in the Cup Series saying, hey, you know, I help this team move from 35th to 30th. You know that you need something more than that. You need to you need to have sterling results. You know, I look at Ross Chastain, and Ross was a guy who a lot of people liked even before he went to Chip Ganassi and had a lot of success. But when he went to Chip Ganassi Racing last year or in 2018 in the Xfinity Series and showed people that he could run up front and win, that was the difference maker, and that changed the perspective on what Ross Chastain could do. And I think that's the model that other drivers should follow. Well, I don't, I don't know what you know what the whole situation was, but let's say he he had a sponsor or a backer who said, "I want to go cup racing," you know, and and you know, I'm sure Brennan would have liked to get in something more competitive, but you know, if you if you have supporters who want to go cup racing and say, "Let's do it," um, I mean, you know, I think you do it. I I think Brennan's a great personality. One one thing that I think is so uh, interesting about this move is, you know, Brennan was at at Ganassi and um, he essentially um, I believe you know made the connections in uh, originally to DC Solar to help bring them um, as his sponsor right so he brings them uh, he's he was represented by Spire 
um, you know, DC Solar goes to Ganassi with him, and, the, and DC Solar, you know, with Ganassi, however it worked out, ends up saying, you know what, Brandon, you're not going to be our driver anymore. Brandon ends up suing Spire, um, among other people. Well, guess who is the a, a major alliance partner running out of the same shop as Premium, where he will now be running? Uh, Spire? That's correct. So, essentially... Uh, Brandon Poole will be a teammate to the organization that he sued the crap out of. So I thought that was uh, an interesting development. What a, what a strange business, Jordan. It is very strange. A lot of strange bedfellows. I would love to be in that first competition meeting among everybody when they sit down and discuss plans and everything. I, yeah, it's, it's just funny how things work out sometimes in this sport. It is, it is. Well, um, Jordan, like I said, I'm not sure. Uh, it doesn't seem like we have at this time um, a podcast for Christmas week coming up, but I, I'm sure we'll be back um, before the end of the year at some point. Any other final thoughts or anything you want to say before we log off for this episode? Uh, not much. I mean, just check out theathletic.com. We've had a lot of great content. Uh, we, we're very grateful to all our subscribers. Um, if you haven't read it yet, please check out the Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, North Wilkesboro story. I think you're going to enjoy it. You've got some good stuff. You had a great conversation with Tyler Reddick, which uh, is definitely worth readers' time. So a lot of good stuff this week, a lot of good stuff coming down the pipe. Yeah, thanks. Um, we've we've been doing a lot, I feel like, this offseason so far. We've been churning out some some stuff. We're definitely not uh, we're not in vacation mode yet, right? I mean, we're, we're no. still working. What offseason? Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, I mean, we're, we're really trying to – I mean, we really care about trying to make this valuable for you guys who have subscribed. So thank you to those, uh, as Jordan said, who, who do subscribe. And we're trying to make it worth your while. Even in the off season. obviously once the season starts again, we'll have more to work with. But um, yeah, we're trying to keep as much posted as, as we can. So stay tuned there. Uh, Jordan, hope you feel better. Uh, recover from your North Wilkesboro experience. I'm going to go rest my voice. Everybody else, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time on The Teardown.